Planet Football with John Bradley. Premier League, European and international. This is Planet Football on City Talk 105.9. Just gone five o'clock across Merseyside on 105.9 City Talk. I'm John Bradley. Good evening to you. Welcome to Planet Football, the show that takes you around the world of football in 60 minutes. We will preview all the European games. We'll review the European weekend just gone by as well with Daily Into Europe in just a moment's time. And two special features on tonight. We've got a scouser playing his trade in the MLS with the New York Red Bulls on the coaching staff out there. And tonight we're going to look at the problems in Romania. And believe me, there are a lot of problems in Romanian football at the moment. We've got a great guest on to talk about that. And as always, Statman John. Good evening. This is Planet Football with John Bradley. City Talk 105.9. What you got for me, my son? Christian Eriksen. Ajax. Yep. Denmark. Plays for Denmark. Plays for Ajax. Tell me, what have you got for me? Uh, played all 450 minutes so far of uh, Ajax's games and covered 65 and a half kilometres. By far the uh, most energetic of the players in the Champions League this season. OK. Has he actually done anything, though, in the Champions League at the, in that time? Scored four uh, four assists and scored one. Really? Mm. OK. In other news, Big Phil Scolari's back at Brazil. Ah, now, that is quite interesting, that. Because, you know, I, I'm listen, I, to be fair, had he not scored those goals and got those assists, right, Christian Eriksen, I would have hammered you because I would have said, what, so he's just like Robbie Savage then? But no, Christian Eriksen is better than Robbie Savage. It's not uh, surprising, really, is it? <laughs> so Robbie Savage was a good Premier League player. Not going to disrespect him or anything like that, but he just ran around a lot and kicked a lot. Of... Christian Eriksen is a bit more talented. Uh, on to uh, Luis Felipe Scolari, known hencewile as Big Phil. And he's back in charge of the national team. Yep, um... They are in the funny position of not playing competitive games because they are in the World Cup and they've had some very dodgy results recently. Uh, so they've got Big Phil back in. Whether he lasts the um, year and a half to the World Cup, I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see. Well, I think he will because he's still very popular over there, isn't he? I mean, obviously he had a bad spell this is o- Brazil. over here. I know, but... When they've got a coach that they like, because he, he's just left his, his club management job, hasn't he? He was coaching at a club in Brazil, but it didn't work out for him there. And and there was just a massive, massive France clamour for him to uh, take the uh, national job again, wasn't there? Yes, there was. OK, that's Statman John with his news and stats as he will keep his head looking for all the latest as we go through the next hour and, of course, every week right here on Planet Football on City Talk 105.9. Now it's time to go daily into Europe. Good evening, Arthur. Good evening, John. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> How you are can't we? This... Help but do like a little dance when you hear that music. They said it's the like... greatest theme tune there's ever been, and when I found Daily into Europe, it was brilliant. <laughs> How's your week been, pal? 
Yeah, good, mate. I was at the uh, Etihad Stadium on Saturday, and I've just watched a load of European football as usual. Yeah, you watched, you watched uh, City against the Blues, didn't you, uh, yeah. at the weekend? Everton were yeah. good value, weren't they, for a point? Ah, very good value. They're just so dangerous. I think a draw was a pretty fair result, but I think I'll just have to add my name to the list of Leighton Baines fans because he was just absolutely outstanding. And we saw the the good and the bad side of Marouane Fellaini at the I, Listen, I stood up before the European Championships and said that Leighton Baines should play left-back for England, uh, and he didn't, and that was a mistake. I think you said that last week as well, didn't you? I say it every week, Leighton Baines is better than Ashley Cole now. It's as simple as that. But we are here to talk about European football. And what European football news do we have, my friend? Well, I think we should start in Spain. There's a lot to talk about. First of all, uh, Lionel Messi getting to 84 goals in a calendar year. So he's closing in on this Gert Muller record of 85 goals that he got in a calendar year for club and country. He got 85 for West Germany and Bayern in 1972. Messi got a couple at the weekend, although I think one will is still up in the air because Amor Bieta, the Athletic Bilbao defender, knocked it in over the line. So they're not sure if it's an own goal yet. I don't know if we've had confirmation of that yet. So I'm sure they're looking at that. But uh, we're running out of stuff to say about Lionel Messi, aren't we? Because just seem to praise him every single week. Listen, that wasn't the big game in Spain this weekend. Though. The big game in Spain was the Madrid derby on Saturday night. Uh, Atletico are going well. They were above Real in the table. But they never, ever, ever beat Real, do they? And, and they'll never have a better chance. But they were pretty insipid, I thought. Yeah, they were pretty poor. I mean, their squad's threadbare. It's whether they can maintain this for the rest of the season. They have a great 11, a great 14 even, but beyond that, they really did struggle against Real Madrid and Cristiano Ronaldo having probably seen Lionel Messi bag his couple of goals earlier on, just really took the game by the scruff of the neck. He scored a free kick, much like that one for Man United, I think against Portsmouth, where he just sort of hits it really bizarrely, doesn't he? Gets this nice swerve on it. He hit the bar post and made the other goal for Meza Ertzel. And, and a key result for Real, I, I must win is a phrase that's banded about a bit too much, but I've that got, really was must win for them. I've got to start. Go on then. Ronaldo had nine shots. Yeah. The rest of the team only had four shots. <laughs> really? And Atletico <laughs> only had four shots. No. So Ronaldo uh, had more than the two teams put together. Correct. He bad, thinks, by the way, he thinks he's playing for Liverpool. He's it in the woodwork that much because Liverpool at the woodwork twice, of course, <laughs> again at the weekend, and Cristiano Ronaldo hit it twice in the space of a few minutes, didn't he? I thought that it was a, it wasn't a great game to be honest with you, Rob. And I thought the Atletico were intimidated. And what disappointed me is they tried to kick Real off the park. I think they had six bookings, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. It wasn't. It was not pretty by. And he stretched to the imagination. I think the pressure did get to Atletico. It was the first time in 14 years that they had gone into a Madrid derby above Real in the table. And Falcao in particular, who's been linked with Real very heavily since the Super Cup performance in particular, really floundered. He had one miserable shot on the Bernabeu got on his back. Um, so, yeah, a miserable day for Atletico. But uh, we continue to praise Diego Simeone for the turnaround job he's done there because they were awful for the first half of last season, he turned them into Europa League winners and and still title contenders, six points behind Barca. Listen, what else has caught your eye this weekend, Paul? Well, we had a big game in Germany, Bayern against Borussia Dortmund. Well, Dortmund. It, I mean, listen, it's not just a big game, is it? That is the big game in Germany. Um, I actually watched that uh, on Sunday morning, about 7.30 it was on before the game between Angie and Siska. We'll deal with that one in a minute. But first, let's talk about the top two in uh, Germany. 
Well, Dortmund are the defending Bundesliga champions and Bayern have spent big this summer to try and challenge for the title. I personally think it's a must-win title-winning season for Jupp Heynckes as coach because they spent €40 million Euros on Javi Martinez. They brought in Mandzukic and Shaqiri. It finished one apiece, so they're still well ahead in the Bundesliga table. Dortmund are 11 behind Bayern, which is a big bit of ground to make up. And they have... They, whoever's leading the table in Germany going into the winter break are given the sort of honorary title of Herbstmeister, which is basically autumn champions, and two out of every three seasons, whoever's winning the title race at that point goes on to win it completely. Kreuz got the opener for Bayern, uh, Goethe got the equaliser. And um, there was a bad injury, I believe. Uh, to who? Bad Stuber's out for six oh, months. Oh, Bad Stuber, yes, Bad Stuber, sorry, that's really bad of me. Yeah, Bad <laughs> Stuber, that's been, as, that's been assessed, I was just going to remember that. Yeah, Bad Stuber got a, a, an injury in the second half, and that'd be a Big loss for Bayern because they, they don't have great ranks at centre-back. They have um, Jerome Berting they brought in from Manchester City, didn't they? And they've tried to convert him into more of a centre-back than a full-back. But they lost I think he was Stuber. always going to be a centre-back. I mean, we believe... Well, he said he was. Yes. He said he was, yeah. Well, um, Bad Stuber started at left-back, didn't he? Yeah, so, so I mean, he's, he's sort of fitting players in different positions. It's, it's not ideal, and I don't know why they didn't spend big on like a really good defender but I suppose that was the thinking behind Javi Martinez because he can play at centre-back as well as he did for Bilbao last season I think he's, he's going to be playing with Schweinsteiger it. isn't he in the centre of the field so yeah. yeah it was a ruptured cruciate apparently oh that's a good, bad injury could be more than six months that mm. um, there were two uh, huge games in Russia this weekend as well, weren't there, pal? There was uh, Zenit against Spartak. That was actually played on, on Friday in the Russian capital. And then there was uh, Angie against CSKA. And Angie, with all their money, Samuel Eto and co, are now top of the Russian Premier League, Rob. Yeah, they are indeed a, a very, I, I think, very convincing win, actually, against CSKA, who... Convincing. Siska didn't even have an attack. They didn't even well, bother exactly, attacking. Exactly. Uh, they just didn't turn up, did they? And I think a lot of people anticipated that they would sit back, but not to the extent that they did. And when Sauna got sent off on the half-time, that, that seemed to disrupt them, didn't it? And they didn't have that... Uh, they weren't as solid because they didn't have 11 players. And then they brought on Lassina Traore, who I don't think Hiddink is convinced by. I know he scores, but when you read the quotes from Hiddink about Lassina Traore, who is, what is he, 6 for 8 John? Yeah, 6 right? for 8 yeah. Six for eight. He's not quite sure about his ball playing ability. He does look clumsy, but he gets goals, and Mbappé Basu forgot the other one. So a big win for Angie, and it would really mix things up if they won the title this year. Let, let's well, just um, quickly tell everyone about what happened in the Luzhniki because uh, Hulk scored, uh, Axel Witzel scored his first goals in Russia too. Uh, he got two of them. Uh, Spartak had two men sent off as well, didn't he? Uh, absolutely nuts. And what was... Uh, Spartak's goalkeeper doing as well. Uh, big questions about Andrew Deacon. A fault for two goals, not what you need really. Uh, Valerie Carpin coming in as as a manager once again for Spartak, as he has done how many times? What do we say now? Well, he, re he resigned four times while he was manager last time and was still in charge <laughs> the week after. Listen, let's move on because I want to uh, go on to this week's action, um, Champions League this week. Um, Ryan, it's all done. We might as well just all go home and not bother playing it. Yeah, only three spots left in the round of 16 because all of it is basically done and dusted, unfortunately. Uh, Barca, United, Malaga and Dortmund are the sides that have won their groups. And here are the, here are the six teams who are fighting out for the final three places. So we have Juve and Chelsea, 
Chelsea massively disadvantaged in that. You've only need a point to go through. Yeah, the, by, the way, by the way, odds on the draw in Donetsk between Shakhtar and Juve. Is it? Odds on with the bookies. I don't, it's not, it's not often you see that. No, so that that would make sense for both sides, essentially, because Shakhtar obviously would win the group in that section and Juve would come in second. Then we have Benfica and Celtic. So that's interesting because Benfica ahead of Celtic on head-to-head, but Celtic play Spartak at home and Benfica go to Barca. It'll be interesting to see to what extent Barca play a reserve team in that game. Regardless, you'd still back uh, the Spanish side to, to beat them. And then Galatasaray and CFR Cluj, Turkish and Romanian champions, respectively, uh, fighting out in the group with Manchester United, who have already won the group. And there's, st- there's still top spots available isn't, in the group. And that's going to be important, isn't it, to see who you play in the round of 16? Because if you, if you go through and you, you finish top of your group, then uh, obviously you play a second-place team, don't you? Exactly. So Porto and PSG face each other. So that's basically a game that PSG have to win to overtake Porto and win the group. I'm glad you said that because I'm commentating on that game. I'm glad there's some interest in it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everything else in that group's done because Dynamo Kiev a third with four points and Zagreb have zero. So uh, the Europa League spot is is, uh, done and dusted there. But it's going to be interesting because winning the group is obviously a, a massive thing because... You won't face the likes of Bayern and Manchester United, but Real will be second in their group. They can't overtake Dortmund, and Milan will be second in their group behind Malaga. So when it gets to the round of 16, it's just a free-for-all anyway, isn't it? It's just 16 high-quality teams. And can I just go through which nations the teams are from? I of think course it's you can. Go on. of where everything is at the minute. So four Spanish sides all through, three German sides, two English, and one from Ukraine, Portugal, France, and Italy. And I think that's a pretty good indicator of the standard of each respective league at the moment. I think Spanish is technically the best, uh, and then German and English pretty close. And uh, the Italian way off, they only had two sides in the group stages this season. It, there's another, in- well, there's a lot of interesting stats with the Champions League, and we've, uh, we could talk for hours. But the nationalities, um, interesting. 66 Frenchmen have been played so far in the competition, only 63 Spaniards. 41 Portuguese and given Celtic are doing given Celtic are doing so well I know I, I make a rod for my own back here six Sango, whoa 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 no I want to hear what the low number you is going to be you need to get out more but carry on sorry are you totting this, you're totting this up yourself John here yeah I'm doing it on my fingers six Scots four six four Welshmen Two Irish and three Northern Irish. Really? Only two Irish. Only two. Now, Aidan McGeady's one. But the, uh, the the six Scots, Darren Fletcher and five from Celtic, but only five from Celtic in five games. I don't know what it says, but. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to work out who the Irishman is. That's really annoying me. And it's it really annoying me now. I'm going to. If anyone at home say... knows, please join in. Do you want me to put you out of your misery? Yes, please. It's Anthony Stokes. Oh, of course oh, it is at Celtic. Know. So, hang on, who's the, uh, what's the lowest? There is one Austrian. Yeah, that's brilliant. There is one Austrian who plays in the Champions League. Who is it? <laughs> Christian Fuchs. John, um, is this stuff coming from memory? Where are you getting this? Exactly. Listen, Tony, he's, he's like a human computer, right? I can see, <laughs> instead of eyes, he just has shutters that keep going up and down. And then what happens is, is the little bit of steam starts to come out of his head and all this stuff just appears. I don't actually think he's a human being. Thanks as ever to Rob Daly for joining us right here on City Talk 105.9 across Liverpool, across the world of football. This is Planet Football. Next up.
We're going across the Atlantic to America. Planet Football City Talk 105.9. 105.9 City Talk right here in Liverpool dealing with football across the world on Planet Football with me, John Bradley, and with Statman John. And normally we like to get a Brit abroad. Normally we like to find out people who are earning a crust from football in far-off reaches in the world. Tonight we've got a scouser abroad. Michael Smith, good evening. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm very good, pal. I'm very good. You are a resident of New York. You have taken yeah. the big step across from Liverpool. I think that uh, used to have ships go from here to to New York many, many moons ago. Uh, you're That's working true. for the New York Red Bulls out there. Tell me about your life now, because I know you were at Liverpool as a youngster, weren't you? How on earth have you ended up out in New York? Well, uh, just a, a quick story. I, I was lucky enough to be a professional player in England for a long time. and My career was cut short through injury when I was about 32. Uh, so I did the degree for qualifications and then um, I got the opportunity to come to New York, which I think for the scouts uh, to come to New York is a, you know, an exciting time um, and I'm loving it. Tell me about when you first walked in to work in New York with, with the New York Red Bulls as they are now and and I know you're working with, with, with like the players out there, the young players and everything and developing football, but when you started talking out there, did anyone understand you? No, not a chance. <laughs> the amount of times I've had to slow my accent down, that's why I'm pleased talking to you, because I can talk normal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't understand a word they were saying. T- tell it was, us... Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a funny, funny time, actually. But you, 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 that's it now, you've made your life over there, you're all settled over there? Yeah, I'm loving it. You know, the, uh, the the coaching over here is a lot different to what I'm used to at home. But, you know, the kids, the, I think the main thing for me is the kids are all into it. It's, it's a difficult dynamic over here in terms of the kids do so many different sports and some of the sports are priorities. But in the main, it's a great place to be. I'm just trying to push for, you know, the kids to play more because we have a, a spring season, a fall season, which is only half of the year. And as you know, in, in the likes of England, you know the kids are playing all year round. So that is a battle I'm trying to face up to at the moment. Obviously, before talking to you, I've been looking at like the New York Red Bulls website. They've got a, a special academy website that's focused on you know the development of young players, and it's all sort of centrally funded, isn't it, from the U.S. Soccer Association? And there is a clear, defined plan that comes from the very top all the way down through the clubs to teach these young kids and get them involved in, in football? Yeah. Yeah, the, the plan's really good. The Red Bulls have got a really good programme. You know, it, it's a huge programme. The things they do, it, uh, you know, are fantastic. And, you know, I've, I've looked at the first team now and there's finally there's kids coming through. But I think what happens sometimes in the MLS is that you depend on DP players, you know, your Beckhams, your Henrys, which is fantastic. But I like to see the kids coming through as well. And fortunately, that's what the uh, the philosophy is now with a lot of the MLS clubs is that they're focusing on, you know, let's develop these kids because, you know, it's a country of 300 million people more. And there's a lot of good kids out there. So, you know, I just hope Red Bulls can keep doing that, producing the kids, because that's why I'm involved here. Um, so, you know, long may continue. I would say that the Red Bulls have 
perhaps given the expectation level underachieved in the last few years, they're, they're expected to push for that for that title, aren't they, year in, year out now, especially with the likes of Thierry Henry there. Yeah, well, you've got Thierry Henry, Rafael Marquez. Oh, by the way, I've got know. to, Michael, I've got to ask you, is Rafael Marquez still playing with the biggest cigar in his mouth ever? Because that's how he used uh, to play yeah, at Barca. He's been doing that since he signed. <laughs> yeah, he does it even more now in Red Bull. I think he, I think he has one in each hand, to be honest with you. <laughs> he is the most laid-back <laughs> footballer in the world, isn't he? Ian Daniel Agger. Yeah, six million a year. Yeah, him and Daniel Agger <laughs> could be playing alongside each other, couldn't they, with big cigars in their mouths, just they're that laid-back when they're uh, on the field. Sorry, I, I, I digress. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, you, we, talk, we talk about, you know, the, the, the players out there, and, and there are some good players out there, um, but nothing gives a club anything better than local identity, does it? Getting the young players. No, through. not at all. You know, you know the other thing is, well, I've been in the college game. I managed to uh, help a college team get to the national final last year in Arizona, and the talent in inner city New York is phenomenal. You've got lots of different, uh, you know, nationalities, and I'm trying my best now to, with my contacts. In, the, in England, is trying to get these kids, you know, at least looked at, because that's the thing for me, is that some kids can go unseen, and it's a shame. Well, I was going to say that to you, pal. To given a chance. Yeah, I was going to say that to you, pal, because if they don't go to college and met the draft, then there's a danger they get lost, isn't there, in the system out there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we've got a mutual friend who's, uh, who I'm working with, uh, right now to try and help some of these kids because you're right it's all about education over here and it's a totally different dynamic to what I'm used to so you, you can't go from uh, one school to the next if your grades aren't right and that means you don't go to a good college so therefore you can fall out of the system real easy uh, and then you know you basically you're not playing you could be 18 and you've played for a few years and then all of a sudden you're not playing at all and I think it's a shame yeah it, is, it really is Um you watched, well, we all watched the MLS final um, over the weekend, and I don't think we were surprised that, that the LA Galaxy won it with Robbie Keane and David Beckham and, and Landon Donovan, amongst others there. But uh, yeah. the standard's not bad, is it now? It's improving year in, year out. Yeah, I agree. Yes, it's. Uh, I was excited watching yesterday's game, to be honest, but I haven't watched uh, much of MLS this year because I've been working so much, but I took the time out yesterday and I was... I was impressed. You've got, you know, three top-class players in Robbie Keane, Beckham and uh, Landon Donovan, and it certainly showed you with the difference. I thought Robbie Keane was absolutely fantastic. He, he looked like he was back to his old self. How much interest was there in the game out there? Oh, yeah, it was huge. Was it, yeah? Absolutely huge. I mean, like I say, yeah, the, the, uh, the MLS is getting bigger and bigger year on year, so, um, you know, it's all good. It's good signs. And it's important, isn't it, that, that these ground that these clubs have their own special, specially designated stadium. They're not they're not just playing in someone's, you know, American football stadium or somewhere else. That they have their own stadiums that that are specially designed for football. That's a massive difference, John. It really is because I know when uh, the Red Bulls played in the old um, Giant Stadium, sorry, they would have an attendance of like eleven thousand average, and the stadium held eighty thousand. Yeah. You know, so now I believe they've done a stat yesterday about Beckham. Since Beckham's been here for six years, there's like six more MLS franchises. Um, and most of them franchises have got their own stadiums. You look at Seattle, 
Seattle can get 50,000 fans at home every game. Uh, Montreal, Vancouver, they're, they're pretty good attendances too. So um, it's bold well for the future. They're looking to get another franchise in the one part of the country where they haven't touched on yet, which is southeast, which is Florida. Because mm. um, well, apparently well, some of the so figures in Miami. Yeah, well, there's talk about all, a team in Orlando, isn't there? The, there was That's talk right, about yeah. an Adrian Heath was going to be involved in it, someone told me. Yeah, apparently so, apparently. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there was talk of... John Spencer, the ex-Chelsea guy, was uh, He was coach of, I think it was Vancouver, but he got fired. Right. There's quite a few um, ex-players, you know, big-time players that have, have coached some of the MLS sides. Well, Paul Marin is out yeah. at Toronto, isn't he, as well? That's right, yeah. Yeah, there's some... some I yeah, mean, it's growing old. But it used to be somewhere where people would go to retire and go and play a bit of football. Oh, no, no. But now, is, is it because the money's improving, the standards in, or, or the standards improving that people will go and play out there? I think I think it's a bit of everything. I mean, the salaries have certainly improved, which they needed to because you've got, for example, someone like Thierry Henry and Rafa Marquez on $6 million a year, and in the same team on a regular basis, you've got guys on $75,000 a year. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's a morale thing for, and the scouts are in you. Does it still pine for Liverpool and Merseyside? Oh, without a doubt. A few, a few of my mates back home say, so you're not talking like a Yank, are you? Like, no chance. <laughs> That's actually what I. Michael, when I phoned you tonight, I had a, I had a, I, I swear, I had a little thing that you could answer the phone and go, hello? Well, you know, it's some sort of little American accent. <laughs> <laughs> you can take the lad out of Liverpool, but you can never take the Liverpool out of the lad, can you? You're not wrong there, mate. You're not wrong. <laughs> Listen, mate, thanks very much for joining us. It's been brilliant to talk to you out there. Uh, and if it's all right, we will keep in touch with you to see how you're getting on out there because it's been uh, fascinating to listen to how your life's going out in New York. I appreciate it, John. Great to talk to you too. Great to hear a scouser going so well. Michael Smith joining us live on the phone from America and New York in particular. Staying with the MLS, that man, John. Chris Wondolonski. Wondolonski. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's the MLS MVP, or Player of the Year, I think, if uh, we were talking English. The MVP, Player of the Year in the MLS. Who does he play for? He plays for San Jose Earthquakes. 27 goals. Really? Mm. He'll be getting a move then, won't he, to uh, Europe. There's a lot of Americans now playing their trade in Europe. Let's move on. What else we got? Uh, we have the Confederation Cup. Um, this is the, the the tournament that Tahiti are playing in, everyone, yes. next summer in Brazil. Yes. Um, FIFA are adamant that this is not a warm-up for the World Cup. Even though it's a warm-up for the World Cup, they're adamant it isn't. It's a proper tournament. And there are two groups. The draw was made last week, and there's two groups. There's a group of death, and there's a group with Tahiti in it. The group of death, Group A, Brazil, Japan, Mexico and Italy. The group of uh, Tahiti, Spain... Uruguay and the African champions who will be decided in of course in January January yeah, February with what happens at the uh, African Cup of Nations you can't call it the 
It's the Cup of African Nations, not the African Nations I, Cup. Remember that. I'll I'll try my best. <laughs> so that's the news for tonight. What else we got? Um, the Ballon d'Or. Um, that's for the best player in the world. FIFA's best player in the world. And um, shock, horror, uh, it's the usual culprits. Who's favourite? Well, uh, need well, we say Lionel Messi? Well, it's, it's either Messi or it's... Um, his friend in Madrid, Mr. Ronaldo, or it's Messi's colleague, Iniesta. Those are the three. I can't see past Messi. I, I, I just can't. I would not understand how they could give it to anybody else. Anything else? Um, there is, at the Ballon d'Or um, Awards, there is also something called, I think it's called the Dream Goal which is the most beautiful goal of the year. Uh, it's a, called the Pushkas Award. And there, After Ferenc Pushkas, the great Hungarian. Uh, the great Hungarian. There are three, um, three nominations. Uh, there's Neymar scoring for Santos against Internacional. There's Miroslav Stosh. Scoring for Miroslav Stock. Stosh. <laughs> used to play for Chelsea. That's Go on, him. Carry on. Carry on. Uh, scoring for Fenerbahce against uh, a team I'm not even going to pronounce. Okay, great goal. I've seen that. Um, and the last one I have a problem with, and you, you shouldn't have a problem with it, um, is Falcao. Uh, Radamel Falcao. Scored lots and lots of great goals. They have chosen one, which is a brilliant goal, but my problem with is it's in a friendly uh, America de Cali, uh, Colombian side against Atletico Madrid, 19th of May 2012. We will tweet that goal because everybody should have a look at it. In fact, I'll try and tweet all three and um, you can make your own decisions. Yeah, if you do want to keep in touch with the programme, at Planet Football 2, the number two on Twitter is our address. You can follow me at JB Commentator as well. This is Planet Football 105.9 City Talk. Next, we're going to Romania. This is Planet Football with John Bradley. City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to Planet Football on 105.9 City Talk with me, John Bradley. I'm with Statman John. It is time to focus on football in a certain country in a moment. But first, let's deal with a bit more news that Statman John has been digging out while he's been burying and immersing his head in his computer. Well, it's uh, Corruption Corner again. Um, UEFA at the start of the season uh, suspended prize money payments to 23 clubs because of financial irregularities. Don't go through them all. I'm not going to. Um, 16 have been cleared, and that leaves... Is uh, there anyone notable in that 16, by yes, the way? Yes, Malaga. Malaga are the ones with the most financial problems. We've touched on it before. Yeah, we spoke to Tim Stanov from La Liga Loca about that we... on show one. If you do want to go past, you can catch up with it on the podcast. There are two teams from Croatia remaining on the list, Ajuk Split being one. There's two teams from Romania. There's well, two... we're going to talk more about Romania in a minute. And corruption. And there's two teams from Serbia. The interesting thing is Lech Poznan and Arsenal Kiev have now been added. And there's going to be formal hearings now against those nine teams. Um, they call it a chamber rather than a court. <laughs> but... Um, it's interesting. This is being dealt with by UEFA, yeah? It's UEFA, and it's um, it's linked somewhat to the financial fair play, 
but it's looking at clubs who have bent financial rules. We are going to deal with financial fair play in the coming weeks to work out how Manchester City are going to get round it, Paris Saint-Germain and certain other clubs as well, aren't we? Zenit. Zenit, St. Petersburg. Yes, they also could... Uh, well, they're owned by Gazprom, aren't they? But we will deal with financial fair play in, in, in the future. We That's will. probably going to take an hour in itself. But this, of those 16 clubs initially who have been cleared, is there anyone of note in that list who basically was in trouble but aren't anymore? They're mostly... <laughs> They're mostly Eastern European teams. What a surprise. Um, I, I think Malaga were the standout, what, the standout one. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, we know about their situation with, with finances and everything that's going on. And obviously, all the money there has gone to Paris now, hasn't it? It certainly has. It's just one of those things, isn't it, where football is changing so rapidly and so much is going on. Right, let's uh, move away from the news now because I want to focus on football as we always do at this part of the show in a certain country. And tonight, it's Romania. Planet Football on City Talk 105.9. In Washington State, I do believe, is Liviu Bird. Good evening, Liviu. How are you doing? Good evening. I'm doing all right. How about you? Yeah, we're really good over here. We're really, really good. Um, you are a well of Romanian heritage, and you've written some really good articles. I've been picking up on over the last couple of weeks on Romanian football and the situation with University Cluj at the moment. It's uh, it's a frightening story. Tell us about it. Well, I mean, this is, and it's not just limited to this club. There's been quite a few clubs. Um, in Romania that have had financial trouble, but this is it's kind of gotten to kind of an interesting point in Cluj, where there are two clubs in the city. Obviously, you have Cefere Cluj, which is in the Champions League, third place in the in Group H with Manchester United and Galatasaray. And then you have Universitatea Cluj, or University Cluj is translated name, and they um, are a bit of a smaller club across town, and they, I mean, they've been having financial trouble. They had an owner who uh, came in about three years earlier, and he he left. He he sold the club, or supposedly sold the club, but because of some weird regulations that I, I don't fully understand myself, he's still in charge financially of Cluj and uh, Petrolu Ploiesh, which is the other club in the first division that he owns. Um, and he took... I mean, he took the 15 best players from Cluj with him when he went to Ploiesh, and uh, they basically the, he's, he's favoring one club over another, and, and it's kind of... Uh, I, I don't exactly understand how he can be in full financial control of both clubs at the moment, but basically Cluj's search for new investors has fallen short so far, so um, they're kind of stuck with him, and uh, the, the, the players hadn't been paid in about four months um, up until last Saturday when the the fans in the stands actually took took up a collection and they they ended up with a small a bag full of money um, which was about about nineteen hundred dollars six thousand five hundred and fourteen Romanian lei and uh, two two fan representatives went down um, toward the locker room after the game and as the players left uh, the dressing room they were all handed a small small amount of money. Basically, so uh, for the first time in four months, the 
players got paid, but not by the owners, by the fans of the club. I've been reading about the players walking to training because they can't afford to fuel their cars and they just basically can't afford to live at the moment. I know we've had situations in England where there's been that sort of thing, but it does seem frightening that, that this is going on at a major top-flight club in uh, you know a European country. Well, and this isn't... It's not just limited to this club. Mm. And Eastern Europe in general has been... Um, kind of shaky when it comes to finances i've had uh you know i'm also i'm a player myself and i've been you know trying to break into into the game for a while um at a professional level and there's you hear stories when when you're talking to, to other people who've played places and say oh yeah you know i went to i went to this place and i wasn't paid for four months and i just ended up leaving and um you know it's, so it's a pretty unfortunately it's a pretty common occurrence it's just not not really widely publicized because everybody assumes that Oh, you're playing in the first division. That means you're making good money. It means you're, you know, you've got a pretty good a lifestyle. But that's just not necessarily the case, especially in in the smaller nations. I um I met Dan Petrescu uh, oh, about eighteen months ago, and he was telling me about his time when he was coaching over there and about the situation with the finances. Of course, he was working at one of the clubs that that had great backing and, and has since fallen apart, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was working with Poli Timisoara, which is no longer a club. It's it's frightening, really, isn't it? Because obviously he's gone over to Russia. He's at Dynamo Moscow now. Um, but you've got all these great names. And Romania, probably in the 90s, had such a great reputation, uh, you know, with, with the great players that came through and that great Romania team as well. But it doesn't seem to have grown from that. Normally, the youngsters all develop, they, they've got their heroes, uh, but but it just seems to have just stunted the development over there. Why has that happened? You know, it, it's in a number of different things. Um, it, it's been, it's just been kind of a strange time for Romanian soccer in, in the league and, and, both, and at the national team level. Um, you know, the national team hasn't been getting results. The last major tournament they qualified for was Euro 2004, I want to say, or 2000, yeah, 2004, yeah, yeah. 2008. Yeah, so, I mean, it's been a while since they've qualified for anything major. And again, you know, having some trouble in, in the World Cup qualifying group right now. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just been, it's been kind of a weird time, and all the best players are going abroad. Nobody really wants to stay at home anymore, and it's, uh, I mean, partly due to, to the financial situation and to um, kind of, you know, some widespread uh, corruption and just, just you know, it, kind of a, honestly, uh, it hurts me to say it, but just kind of a national mentality that it's, uh, you know, communism ended in 1989, but it hasn't exactly given uh, uh given way to a boom in the quality of life in the way that it has in, in say, Hungary or Bulgaria to a lesser extent, but still still Bulgaria. Yeah, because um, I, I remember uh, Unorea Tuchini appeared, played in the UEFA Champions League, and everyone was talking about them because they were a club that developed out of nothing, and then they disappeared into nothing almost as soon as they arrived, didn't they? Yeah, and that, that's kind of been a common occurrence here. Um, you can see with Sheffield at Cluj also there, you know, still very much in the Champions League, looking good. okay, looking decent for uh, at least a spot in the Europa League. Hey, they should have beaten Manchester United at home. They, they, for a long time in that game, they were the better side. 
Yeah, no, I, and you know, I was I wasn't terribly surprised when they came out and and beat Braga in the first game and and have been playing well. You know, I expected it, but then again, I followed the, the club and the league a little bit closer than most fans do. But right now, they're I mean, they're in sixth place in the uh, in the Romanian league, which is you know three points outside of any European spot. So they, they, they'd still look. Been, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, they've, they've just been struggling in the league and and. You know, it's just a matter of, of not really having, you know, I'm not really having the ability to 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 go strongly on both fronts right now, which is unfortunate. Going back to uh, university, I mean, they're doing remarkable. Given the situation, they're doing remarkably well. They're not at the bottom. They're not getting spanked. They might not be winning, but they they got a draw on Friday night, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and they're you know they're, they're in. I mean, they're in the relegation zone, so it's not exactly a spectacular spot. But they're not bottom of the table, um, and they're only. To be, uh, you know, you'd expect them to be yeah, lower given the problems they're having. Oh yeah, absolutely, and they're only one point from safety. So I mean, it's uh, at, at the moment things are are not as bad as they could be. And I mean, for this club, uh, the club has spent uh, some time kind of oscillating between the first and second divisions in recent years. Uh, you know, they were in, in the second league and they won it a couple of years ago um, to get back in, in the, the top flight. And then they've kind of been back and forth, but they've been pretty consistent, uh, pretty consistently in the top division and, and haven't played spectacularly, but they've done well enough to, to be one of the top 18, 20 clubs in the nation. The other story that's sort of um, been big over here is is really a tiny one, but uh, one that seems to be making making waves and 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 uh, making people uh, prick their ears up. Uh, a new Haji, Haji Junior, uh, his goal for the I think it was the under 15s seems to be just about on every website. Uh, certainly over here. Now, if you are talking about truly great players from down the years. Georgi Hadji was, was just amazing. If if his son's half as good, he's going to be a player, isn't he, Liv, you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you know the, the goal that's been making the rounds, he scored against Turkey for the U15s um, in a friendly. Uh, I think it was a friendly. But that's, uh, I mean, he scored a, a cracking goal from distance with his left foot, and that was his father was a left-footed player and, and you know, obviously legend in, in not just in Romania but all over the place the Maradona of the Carpathians they used to call him <laughs> I saw him score some uh, unbelievable goals in the flesh at Galatasaray once what a wonderful player he was uh, I've got to ask you as well about a man who uh, I've met several times and, and I've got to tell you Olivia I'm absolutely in awe of this man Michele Luchescu who for me is one of the greatest coaches in world football is he revered in Romania? Absolutely, he's he is one of the you know when you when you when you started setting it up by saying you know one of the one of the greatest coaches and uh, you know I, I knew automatically who you were talking about just because he's he's one of those ones that uh, you know, he was in in the Romanian league for a while and he he was with the national team for a while and he's one of those guys that uh, it just makes me kind of it makes me cringe that they they let him go you know he's uh, it's. He's doing great things overseas, um, or not overseas, but in, in foreign countries, and everybody seems to know about him. I mean, you can just look at the record that, that Shakhtar Donetsk has had under him, and, and it's, uh, it, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of, it's pretty insane just to see what he's been able to do. And, and his son is also is also a pretty good coach, um, Razvan Luchescu. He's, 
he's he was he did manage the national team of Romania for a little while also. So it's um, you know there's there's a kind of a family connection there as well. And he's done Mircea Lucescu has done well everywhere. He managed in the Romanian league for a while. He went to Italy. He mm-hmm. went to Galatasaray for a couple of years, and and Besiktas for a couple of years after that. Now he's in Ukraine, and I mean he's doing very well. And the man speaks about six, seven languages as well. He's a very, very intelligent man, and he's he's just so engaging when you speak to him as well. There's so much you can learn from him. And Shakhtar this year are dark horses for that Champions League. They look a really good side. Yeah, yeah. They've been, I mean, they've been playing well, and every time they get a result, everybody seems surprised. But, I mean, if you look at their track record over the last couple of years, um, really less people should be surprised at how well they're doing. Yeah, there's some good players there. Livy, where can people catch up with you? Are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. Uh, my username is, is just my name, at Bird. It's L-I-V-I-U-B-I-R-D. Um, and I also I write for a number of different outlets. Uh, the most most notably probably is the New York Times Goal Blog, um, and I also do um, tactical analysis and that kind of stuff for uh, American Soccer Now. And I also write for uh, the Equalizer, which is a, a women's soccer website over Fantastic. here. Fantastic. Well, listen, give Liv you a follow because uh, it's been really fascinating to talk to you about Romanian football. We really appreciate your time, Liv you, and uh, you have a good day. You too. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me. Really, really fascinating interview with Liv Hubert, a expert on Romanian football, eye-opening as to the state of football in these countries. And that's what Planet Football's here for, to take you around the world of football. And we've been just about everywhere so far. It's been another great show. Thanks, as ever, to Rob Daly, Daly into Europe. Thank you, too, to Michael Smith in New York, the coach of the New York Red Bulls. Hey, there's a vacant manager's job there. Maybe he's going to get that, the former Liverpool man. And thanks to Liv you as well. Thanks to you, John. Cheers. I'll have more stupid stats next week. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. This is City Talk. This has been Planet Football. Back same time, same place next week. This is Planet Football with John Bradley. City Talk 105.9.